Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here and thankful for the opportunity. Um, if, you, if you remember, I spoke um, back, in, back in October, and uh, we are here, uh, here in Kansas City. The hope is to revitalize and um, reach out to struggling and dying churches. And uh, we are still waiting. We're waiting on the church that God has for us. And uh, we are still still looking, and um, uh, so just be in prayer for us as we seek that out and seek to find what God has for us. Um, this morning, if you turn to Psalm 130, Psalm 130, and as you turn there, um, there's about... Two and a half, three years ago, that our uh, daughter um, Ellie um, started getting started getting really sick, and um, we didn't know what we didn't know what to do with her, for her. We didn't know how to help her, and um, it was a tough situation. We we went to summer camp, and uh, that whole trip uh, on summer camp, she screamed the entire time uh, all the way to summer camp, and we didn't know what to do for her. And uh, while she was screaming, we, we gave her food, we gave her anything we could do to try to get her to calm down, but she screamed the entire time, and everybody on the bus was just a mess, right? And while we were at, while we were at summer camp, uh, she struggled that, that whole time we were there, and we still didn't know what to do. And we, we knew she was sick. We just uh, didn't know really how to help her. And uh, she was um, just, she was wetting through her diapers, and uh, she, we couldn't do anything to really figure out what her problem was. And so we spent that whole week at summer camp, and then we traveled back for... Uh, we traveled back, and she screamed that whole time on the bus again. And everybody on the bus was just like, what is her problem? How can you help her? We didn't know what to do. And it turns out, um, as soon as we got back, we're like, we just have to get her into the doctor, and we have to help her and figure out what is going on. And we went into the doctor, and... Um, we went in there. They said, you know, we told her what, what was going on. She's been screaming. She's been irritated. She's been having some major issues. She's been wetting through her diapers. We just don't know what to do. And they said, we need to check her blood sugar. And so they went and checked her blood sugar. And as soon as they came back, they're like, we were sitting there, and she's, they're like, she has type 1 diabetes. And we were just like overwhelmed. What? are we going to do? And they said, we need to rush her to the hospital. We need to get her in there and get her the help that she needs. And so we got her into the hospital and, you know, we went through the ER and they were putting IVs in her and doing all those, uh, you know, doing all of those things, trying to help her. And um, she was just screaming and uh, just at her wit's end. And we finally got her we finally got her in there, and 
tried to seek her help, and doctors are coming in and telling us all that we need to do to help her with her type 1 diabetes, and we just struggled. Um, we didn't know what to do. We were at our wits' end, and kind of as we see here in Psalm 130, we were in the depths. Didn't know what to do for her. Didn't know how to help her. This was a major life change for us. And I don't know if you've ever been there before, but on the surface, the depths are not a good thing. Take a look at Psalm 130 and verse 1. It says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. The psalmist starts out in this psalm with a negative posture. He has hit rock bottom. He recognizes the dire state of his current affairs and his need for help. He is in a deep low or depression in life brought on through difficulty, struggle, trouble, distress, and affliction. It could be something like external, a problem with his health, his reputation, his finances, his family, or even the state of the world around him. And that's kind of where we were with our daughter, right? We didn't know what to do. It just totally threw us off. This is a major life change. How can we help her? But it could also be brought on by something internal. Maybe he's recognizing his guilt for some sin that he's committed or that he hasn't been loving God as he should. Maybe he's been caught up in some lies that have ruined his reputation and trust of his family or even finds himself in a place of loss and hopelessness brought on by his own sin, weakness, and lack of love for God and his word. Whatever has led him to recognize the depths of his situation, it has caused him to recognize his need for help. Out of the depths, from a posture of hopelessness, he cries out to God. We've all been in the depths before or will be in the future, if you, and if you haven't yet tasted them, there will come a time when you need the help of God. But if we look at the next verse, we find a little insight into what might be causing the depths of despair that our psalmist finds himself in. The psalmist begins to talk about his sin. Look at verse 3. It's as if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Mark iniquities. This carries the idea of observing diligently so as to retain a perpetual memory of what is done wrong, a rigid and judicial observation of our faults. If you were like an earthly judge 
to note down every minute circumstances of guilt, who would be able to withstand such a trial or leave the court unconvicted or uncondemned? Imagine being at the gym and someone asks you to hold a three-pound weight. Imagine that. Not a big deal, sure. They could even toss you that three-pound weight. But let's imagine that this three-pound weight is a representation of your sins. And you are now being asked to carry the weight of every sin that you have committed. There's no way you could handle that amount of weight. It would crush you, right? And this is the same idea here. If God kept a meticulous track of your sins, which he could do, and he required you to stand before him facing his wrath for everything you've done against him, there is no way that you could survive that. Think of all the lies you've told to family or friends or the ways you have cheated at school or at work or on your taxes. Think of how many times maybe that you've lost your cool with your kids or all the words you've said or thought that have ever hurt someone. Think of how many times you've been selfish, choosing yourself over your family, your friends, or even God. You see, you wouldn't have a leg to stand on. We are all guilty. We are all rotten to the core. And Romans 3 reminds us that no one does good or even has the capacity for good. We don't seek after God, and ultimately we fall short of God's standard to be righteous before him. This is the depth of despair that we are in when standing before a holy God. This is where we all start. This is where we must all begin. I was once lost, alone, enslaved with no hope to sin. Without Jesus, we are all stuck in the depths of sin with no hope of rescue. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2 real quick. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Without God, without Christ, we are dead in sin. We are lost, hopelessly following and living for the world, living for Satan, and we're enslaved to our own impulses of our body and mind. We are not in control of our lives. Sin is in control. We naturally go against God, and because of that, we are not right before him. We must be punished for this sin, and our destiny is hell. This is where we all are without faith in Jesus Christ. We all have been here, hopelessly lost in sin without purpose in life. And some of you may be here currently. 
Sin fills your heart and mind, controlling you, and you need help. Whichever person you are, we must remind ourselves each day of this truth. There is no kind or degree of sin that may not lead us into the depths. And without God, I will stay in these depths. But there is hope. We don't have to stay in those depths. Turn back to Psalm 130. Goes on and he says, I cry out to you, O Lord, hear my pleas for mercy. You know, the only way out of such a deep pit is up. We must look for help. We must lift our eyes unto the Lord. Psalm 121, 1 through 2 says, I lift my eyes from the hill, to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You know, it's good that we find ourselves in this place of the depths because it shows us our helplessness and our need for God. In our recognition of our state, we must see our need for mercy from a holy God. Too often people go through life, everything is good with no realization of their sin and need for God. If God has led you to a place of despair over your sin, thank him for allowing your sin to be the catalyst that pointed you to him. If you don't see your sin, ask God to show you. Ask God to take you to the depths so so that you can recognize your need for God and rely on him rather than your own strength. You know, maybe you think that you're too messed up. You don't know what I've done. God would never forgive me of that. I want to let you know this morning that there are no depths from which you may not cry out to the Lord. You could never go so deep into sin that the Lord would not hear you. If we truly recognize the seriousness of our sin, we would recognize that the only one who could ever help is God himself. That is why the psalmist turns to God. He knows he can turn to God for mercy because with God there is forgiveness that you may be feared. With God, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. The psalmist recognizes God as forgiving. Maybe he's been forgiven in the past. Maybe he's seen God forgive others. Either way, he knows God to be merciful, forgiving, and the only one that can provide help. We see the words that you may be feared at first glance, it seems odd that the word forgiving would be right next to the, to the word fear. But the word fear here isn't being used in a scared or afraid sense, but rather the idea of honor. The psalmist doesn't see God as a dreaded tyrant or cruel authority, but rather he is viewing God as a loving father that deserves reverence and honor.
If you look at the quotes at the top of your page there, W.S. Plummer, an old commentator, he said, No being in the universe is so gentle and forgiving, so slow to wrath, so easy to be entreated, so rich in mercy as the God against whom we have sinned. No being in the universe is so gentle and forgiving, so slow to wrath, so easy to be entreated, so rich in mercy as the God against whom we have sinned. Ephesians 2, 4 through 8 points this out. We were dead in our sins, following the course of the world, living for Satan, living for the passions of our flesh. But then we see this in verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. God is rich in mercy, and he loves us so much that he made us alive together with Christ. You see, in his willingness to cry out to God in the midst of despair of his sin, we see his patient waiting in verses 5 and 6. It says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. We hear a switch from the depths of despair and the negativity of sin to a patient, beautiful, and steady hope in the forgiveness of God. The psalmist is still in the depths. But his outlook and perspective here is encouraging, uplifting, and stable. The truth of God's forgiveness and mercy has started already to lift him out of his despair. The truth of God's forgiveness has lifted him out. It doesn't appear that this situation has changed, but his focus has changed to God, his forgiveness, and his character as merciful, loving Father. So how does he get there? What is the psalmist doing to combat the further deepening of depression that comes from the weight of his sin? This doesn't seem normal. How do you act in turmoil, affliction, trials, and despair? I think oftentimes we tend to be restless. We tend to worry and fear. We tend to become anxious, soaking in the despair of our present circumstances, further launching ourselves into a deeper depression. But this is not what the psalmist is doing. Instead, he is turning his depths into an opportunity to wait and to trust. The repetition of the term wait is important here because it's expressing the idea of habit. In the depths, he is developing the habit of waiting and trusting on the Lord. 
It appears that this habit of true piety is, is pulling the psalmist out of the depths and giving him hope in the Lord. This habit is important, so don't just let it fly by by truly meditating on the psalmist, what the psalmist is doing here. Number one, we see that the psalmist recognized his depths of his sin. He says, out of the depths, I am a wicked sinner. Where did he learn that? The psalmist has, has cried out to the Lord in prayer. He says, God, help me. And, and, and who is it that told him that God could help him? The psalmist speaks truth into his life about God. You are loving, merciful, and forgiving. I know you will forgive. And where did this confidence come from? The psalmist also develops a mindset of focus on God and patience and trust that God will help. Where does this come from? What is motivating and fueling this change of heart? I believe it comes back to five key words. It says here, in his word I hope, in verse 5. In his word I hope. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. See, the psalmist has access to the word of God. He has developed a habit of reading, a habit of studying, and meditating on the word of God to focus his attention on what is most important, God. Instead of focusing on his circumstances or the depths, he is focusing on God's word, which is informing him of his sinfulness, his state before God, the character of God, the forgiveness and mercy of the Lord, and ultimately the hope that comes to a sinner who is resting in the forgiveness and mercy of the God of the universe. This habit of patiently focusing on the truth of God's word has changed everything. Without the word of God in this guy's life, there would be no truth about God, no recognition of sin, and no hope for forgiveness. The psalmist would be lost, dead in sin, with no hope in this life, stuck in the depths. What a miserable way to go through life. But he had the word of God and it opened his eyes to the beautiful truth. It gave him hope and a new lease on life. He valued the word of God so much that he developed a habit of renewing his mind with the truths about God by meditating on them. As we meditate on scripture, we are meditating on the very words of Christ. Jesus is the word. And when we spend time with the word, we are spending time with Jesus. It will impact our knowledge of God, our knowledge of ourselves and our sinfulness, and most importantly, our relationship with the God of the universe. As we delight in the word of God and let the word of Christ live inside of us, the Holy Spirit will use them in our life to change us into his image and to fulfill our purpose on earth. 
He will use them to develop us over time into a strong, stable, fruit-bearing, and life-giving member of the family of God, unleashing us to impact the world as a follower of Christ. You know, the word of God is powerful. When will we get serious about pursuing our relationship with God and its pages? When will we get serious with about meditating on it day and night and throughout the day? When will we start memorizing it so that we can meditate on it in our moments of need? When will we start pursuing it fervently so that we can see the Holy Spirit's power being unleashed in our life to change us, to sanctify us, and make us followers of Christ that are on mission for God? I believe this is the heart of the psalmist here. He valued God's word and knew the importance of it in his life. In the depths of his situation and sin, he turned his heart to the word of God that gives life, truth, and hope. The words and promises of God were so true and powerful in his life that he waited patiently for them to come to fruition like one that is waiting for the sunrise. The sunrise always comes. It's a, it's a sure thing. The same with the truth and promises of God's word. They will always come true. He knew he would find help from God. He knew God would forgive him. He knew the depths wouldn't last forever. He found hope in God. Look at verse 7. It says, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. And with him plentiful redemption. Here we see a beautiful reminder of the promise of God to rescue his people from their sins. This is a promise declared that is founded on the truth of God's word. He knew that God promised one day that he would send the Messiah. He would send the snake crusher a rescuer to set the people of Israel free, the, the world free from sin. He knew one day that a king would come to reign that would redeem us from our slavery to sin and make us right with God. We know this to be true, and it has been realized in Jesus. We also can see an even future truth that God will come back again and finally put an end to sin. He will put an end to the depths that we are in and rule and reign for eternity as our king. What a beautiful day that will be. God is so good. So, how can we find ourselves and pull ourselves out of these depths? Number one, I would say, spend time with God daily through meditating on God's word. Spend time with God daily through
through meditating on God's word. This will make us aware of a holy God and the depths of our sin and his purpose and plan for our life. Maybe for you, uh, you'll want to start with a psalm a day, writing down what you learn about God and planning for your life, meditating on his word. Number two, I would say cry out to God for help daily through prayer. This will allow us to focus our attention on a holy God. Repent and ask forgiveness for our sin and trust and rely on him to help you fulfill your purpose. Cry out to God daily through prayer. Number three, speak the truth of God's word regularly to yourself, God, and others confidently. Speak the truth of God's word regularly to yourself, God, and others confidently. This is meditation. This is praying without ceasing. And this is what the psalmist did. He, he cried out to God, to the Lord, hear my voice. He cried out and pleaded for mercy. And then he marked his iniquities. Oh Lord, if you should mark iniquities, oh Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. He cried out to God. And then he spoke truth, the truth of God's word regularly to himself, God, and others confidently. He meditated on the word. And then number four, be still and wait. Be still and wait. Trust and rely. Allow God to take you to the depths and end of yourself so that you can turn to him rely upon God. Be still and wait. Trust and rely. Lord, as you, as you think about this, as you think about what God has done, I would encourage you to be thinking to be still and wait to trust and Allow God to take you to the depths and the end of yourself. Maybe you are a believer who is in the midst of the consequences of sin. Maybe you're struggling to deal well with life. I'd encourage you to turn your eyes to God. Cry out for help and forgiveness and hope. Run to his word to remind yourself of God's promises and rekindle your relationship with him. Maybe you're an unbeliever that is in the depths of the consequences of a sinful life. I'd encourage you to turn your eyes to God today. He's ready and willing to accept you with open arms into his family. He loves you and wants to forgive you 
of your sin, set you free from your slavery to sin and give you a new purpose in life. Believe today. Repent today. Put your faith and trust in him. Maybe you relate to the psalmist today. Maybe you've been in the depths and you know you need God's help, but you're failing to see the positives and find hope in your present situation. Ask God for help to rest and trust in his word. Dive deep into his promises in his word and ask him to overwhelm you with hope. And maybe you don't relate to the psalmist today. Maybe you don't feel the weight of your sin. Maybe life is good right now. Maybe you're coasting through life right now with no need for God. I'd encourage you to be still and wait and trust. Be still and wait and trust. Let's pray. we come before you and we are thankful for the word from the psalmist. We are thankful for the depths. Lord, and I pray that you would work in our hearts to bring us out of these depths. Work in our heart to, to recognize you, to pursue you. Lord, to Make us more like you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.